I can't believe I'm asking this question in the year of our Lord, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> but who you got in the fight? Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg? Um, Lydia, let's start with you this week. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to have to say Musk because he has so much like tech on his side that I feel like even if Mark Zuckerberg has like a following of people that might actually stand behind him. I feel like he's just going to get like firebombed by some kind of weird tech that Elon Musk came up with. That's fair. Um, however, let's, let's say that the rumors of Mark Zuckerberg actually being an Android are true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then he may have some tech himself. Um, I, there's there's something behind his eyes and so i'm i'm gonna have to take uh something I'm, or nothing yeah i'm i'm gonna have to go with uh marky z um matt you're the tiebreaker um I, i'm gonna be the tiebreaker but not be the tiebreaker because um i'm kind of gonna go with uh elon musk on this but i'm also gonna say that he's going to agree to the fight and then within about five minutes of agreeing to it, he's going to either fire everybody else involved or get somebody else to take his spot. <laughs> I can see that too. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just going to go stand in as me and fight this guy for me. Okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> I'm just saying none of this happened when Tom was around. <laughs> we missed Tom. Cause, it's because Tom had more friends. This is true. It's true. At least eight. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. Yeah, I was going back and forth on if I even wanted to talk about this, but I was just like, you know, I wanted something to kind of start the show and this is just so freaking ridiculous so yeah th this past week um <laughs> elon musk challenged mark zuckerberg to a cage fight uh this happened back on the 20th um i don't really know why um just just for grins just for yeah just for s's and g's yeah um but then on Insta oh, I, I remember why. It was because Facebook announced that they were going to try to come up with uh, like some kind of competitor to Twitter, which I already thought that it was. I say I thought that's what it was. It's okay. It's I'm fine. I'm so confused. Yeah. Um, so then Zuckerberg responded on Instagram, basically saying like, you know, name the name the time and the place. I I hope that neither one of them are actually serious. I don't want this to be a thing. Um, somebody else who doesn't want this to be a thing is Elon Musk's mother. What? <laughs> yeah. She took to Twitter. Of and, course. Yeah. And she says this with like, I think this is a winking emoji, but she says, actually, I canceled the fight. I haven't told them yet, but I will continue to say the fight is canceled just in case. 
Um, That's cringe. Yeah. Yeah. Super cringe. Like, um, mom, if you're listening, if I ever challenge to fight, um, I don't know, some kind of social media mogul, don't, don't try to defend me like that. Just post your memes that you usually do and just carry on about <laughs> your day. I love you, mom. <laughs> but yeah, like... How how silly is this? This is just, this is beyond I'm, silly. I mean, look at who you're talking about, though. Are we really surprised about the stupidity of this between the two of them? I mean, not really, but kind of. I mean, I almost wish they'd gone to the other one social media platform to like, like throw verbal jabs. Like, you know, Zuckerberg shows up on Twitter and starts tagging <laughs> Elon Musk, you know, or Musk like posts on Instagram, you know, like him training in the ring, like something like that. Like, because right now I feel like this is uh, let's meet behind the bleachers at 3 p.m. after school. And uh, when the bell rings, you know, you're going down like. But does Mark have a blue check mark? <laughs> I don't know. Did he pay for it? <laughs> uh, that's just so silly. I'm I'm still irritated by the blue check mark, but it is what it is. Not that I ever had one to begin with. So I why why do I care? I don't I don't have a dog in that fight. So that said, let's go to the poll list. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> What's on our pull list this week? Um, I uh, I kept wanting to say trailer takedown. I'm like, that's not right. <laughs> and then I wanted to say gut reaction. I'm like, that's not right either. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I, I I I almost broke my brain, guys. It's fine. It's fine. It'll be all right. Yeah. <clears throat> So we only have one book to talk about this week. It is called Nuking Alaska. It is out now from Graphic Monday by Peter Dunlap Scholl. Uh, so Peter Dunlap Scholl recounts the issues that Alaska faced during the Cold War, including Project Chariot in the late 1950s to early 60s, a 1964 earthquake that almost caused a nu- nuclear disaster, and the 1971 nuclear warhead test on the island of Amchitka. I don't think I pronounced that right. Um, I have not finished this. I'm a little over halfway through. Um, the art in this, there was something endearing about it. It's not, it's not a conventional art style. Um, I couldn't quite place it, but then I was doing a little bit of research so Peter, uh, he actually for years was a political cartoonist okay. um, for a newspaper in Anchorage, uh, and then it, and then it clicked. I was like, yeah, this is like something that you would see in a political cartoon. And when I was a kid, I was the weird kid who loved <laughs> the political cartoons. Like uh, Chris Britt uh, did cartoons for the State Journal Register for years and I, I was a big fan of his but I digress so so that made that that's what clicked for me another really interesting thing about um, about Peter and and his art and everything he has had Parkinson's for years oh he is actually uh, before this he had another book uh, I I'm blanking on the name of it but he had another book out um, detailing his life with Parkinson's. So 
just I, I don't you know obviously I, I don't know the guy I don't know how severe it is I don't know you know how much that hinders his day-to-day life or whatever but just the simple fact that like you are still doing something like this yeah, yeah. while you know having that issue like that that's mind-blowing yeah. I I mean I can't draw currently you know <laughs> um but yeah, but so all that aside, like the the art, like I said, it's very endearing. Um, there was just I just really latched onto it. Um, in the very beginning of the book, and I'm gonna pull it up here for just a second. Um, it kind of took me out of out of it for a little bit because I wasn't I wasn't too sure what this book was about uh, going into it. Um, so it says. One of the first things, it says, early July uh, 1939, two visitors from the f- uh, future search Long Island looking for Albert Einstein. <clears throat> so I spent the first, you know, like dozen pages or so, like thinking this was going to be like a um, a fictionalized version of, you know, Cold War and, and all that stuff. But the more I'm reading it, I'm like, this doesn't really seem that... And granted, I don't know my I don't know my history that well. Um, but I was like, this doesn't seem like it's very fictionalized. <laughs> um, and Nuking Alaska is autobiographical, so I mean, so it is based off of things that actually happened. Um, so, but in the back of my mind, that kept pulling me out. It kept pulling me out. Um, I think that I would have had a very different approach to this book so far if it not for that one <laughs> sentence. Um, but anyway, I digress. Like I did learn some things mm-hmm. reading this. Um, it's, it is, it is very interesting. Um, I want to go back, um, and, and finish this. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, the, that, that one sentence aside, <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed this. Matt, what'd you think? Um, I'm glad you figured out where the art style was from because like, I knew there was something to it the entire time I'm reading this, but I, I do, I, I couldn't place it. I couldn't figure out why it looked kind of familiar, but, but not, um, overall, I really enjoyed this in the fact that I learned a lot. Um, there was a lot of this and I also am not a history buff. I really know very little about, you know, the, the nuclear arms race, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you a lot about Hamilton. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I can tell you in the room where it happened. Um, <laughs> but um, I-, I didn't know a lot about this, and I learned a lot, and I really enjoyed that. Um, it was presented well in that regard. Um, my only struggle was that it was very text-heavy. Mm-hmm. Um so it was kind of slow to get through. Um, it wasn't super long, but it did take me quite a while because there was a lot historically and like um, factually going on. Um, so I, I almost feel like there could have been a little bit better balance. I feel like some of the things that were told to you in word bubbles could have been done graphically. Um, and would have moved things along a little bit faster. Not like this is one, this is not a book that needed to be paced or, you know, had 
you know, a, a, a plot structure where you're like trying to get to the, you know, the climax. Like this is, that's not what this is. Um, but, um, I don't know. I still really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, but I think at the baseline, it could have just had a little bit, a little bit better balance between the images and the text. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and that's fair. And that's actually one thing that um, I kind of thought about too, because like I, w- I started reading this and I got through like about maybe the first thirty or so pages mm. in a fair amount of time, and. I'm like, it, it was about bedtime. I was like, I'll pick this up tomorrow. And then, yeah, and then I got to the really text-heavy part <laughs> yeah. that you're talking about. And that's part of the reason why I didn't finish. Because I was like, <laughs> oh, this is going to take me much longer than I thought, mm. you know. Um, but yeah, so. All right, moving on to trailer takedown. Let's get ready for trailer takedown! We have four movies to talk about this week. Um, the first two are based off of a uh, true story. We have Beanie Bubble versus Dumb Money. Um, Beanie Bubble tells the story of Beanie Babies, their rise and fall. Um, the, the, the two stars, okay? Did did you see who did you see who the guy is? Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I did not realize who that was until a name popped up. Yeah, I had to I had to rewind like multiple times. Like, no, no, that's not right. That, no, no. Um, but yeah, it stars Zach Galifianakis and Elizabeth Banks, um, which uh, I will always and forever be a, an Elizabeth Banks fanboy. Um, and then so that goes up against Dumb Money, which tells the story of um, the game GameStop stock mm-hmm. and. The, the the rise and fall of that um i went into this with much different expectations than what i got i went into because um you know the 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 whole beanie baby craze in the late 90s i mean that was just ridiculous <laughs> and i was ready to be all over this movie and i don't know there's just something about it that just wasn't doing it for me. Um, part of it, and I know this sounds silly, but the Beanie Babies that they have for this, they're, they're not, not. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I am sure that they could not get the rights to those. Um, I don't honestly don't even know if they called them Beanie Babies in the in the movie uh, or in the trailer. No, I don't know I that they so. do. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe it's a thing where, like, you know, it's telling the story of Beanie Babies but not um which if that's the case that's just oh man that's rough um also because like the um like the the still just showed you know the two main characters for some reason i was like i went in the trailer not knowing anything about the movie i was thinking you know the story of the beanie baby divorce yes yeah where this couple divorced and during the divorce proceedings they are they there's like this pile of beanie babies they're sorting out for the beanie yeah, babies yeah. yep i was hoping that it was going to be about that and it's not and <laughs> I, so i was disappointed so through things that are my fault and aren't my fault <laughs> this trailer just wasn't doing it for me um on the flip side dumb money 
uh, did not expect to enjoy that trailer as much as I did. Um, I I kind of knew the story about what they're talking about, and I, f- I feel bad because I don't know any of the characters' names or the, the real people behind them. But, like, this just seems like it's going to be just a fun movie. Um, even though the rich guys win in the end, I like seeing rich guys squirm um, <laughs> and potentially lose a lot of money. Um <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, like this, this movie, I mean, this also has a lot of, you know, a lot of big names. It's got, uh, Seth Rogen, um, uh, oh my God, uh, Nick Offerman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pete Davidson, which he's just Man. being Pete Davidson, but. America Ferreira. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I could not place her. Um, but yeah, I am way more excited about this movie now. So I'm giving Beanie Bubble three points and dumb money seven uh lydia yes i also didn't really know what to expect going into either one of these trailers the beanie bubble one just kind of grated on my nerves and like you said there's just something about it that bugged me and i think part of it is the fact that the beanie babies aren't anywhere close to being beanie babies and also, yeah, it surprised the crap out of me to see Zach Galifianakis's name pop up with that face. But <laughs> overall, like, I don't care about this movie at all. I'm okay that it's on Apple TV because I don't have it. I don't need to get it. I'm good. I also thought that was going to be the case when I pulled up the trailer for Dumb Money. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think of all the trailers that we watched tonight, that's a probably one of my top ones tonight because yeah say it's goofy and watching the rich guy squirm is great and i i know how it ends because we lived through it literally but i kind of want to see how they play it up and dramatize it and all that fun stuff so i'm going to give it eight and i'm going to get the beanie babies too okay matt um i too went into both of these trailers expecting something completely different than what we got. Um, I also, Tabitha and I have watched the Beanie Mania um, documentary that's online. I thought this was going to be that. Like, I thought this was going to be maybe a dramatization, but like a full production value. And what you get is campy, kind of dark humor, like bickering between these characters. The other thing is like, I think part of what throws me with this one is that having watched that beanie mania, which granted Ty Warner is not in that at all. Like he refused to have any part of that documentary. Um, there's a lot of people in that documentary that mention his personality and how he is. And Zach Galifianakis portrayal of Ty Warner, because it does actually say Ty Warner at some point. Mm-hmm. He pulls up this car and there's a sign. Um, so even though they're not Beanie Babies, like it's supposed, it's it's definitely him. Um, the personality doesn't jive with what I have seen from documentaries regarding him. It's just, it's very much at odds. So that threw me. Um, I too am here for Elizabeth Banks and whatever she's going to do with this. Um, but it's, it's still kind of going to be a hard sell, um, just based on the trailer. Um, dumb money 
we knew that they were making this movie right after this whole thing happened. They started talking about it. And they're like, oh, we're going to do a movie. And we're all, I remember all of us sitting here going, what the hell are you going to do? Like, this just <laughs> happened. Like, wh- how are you going to expound on this? Everybody knows basically the story. I'm here for this. Like, I'm excited to like. And again, we know who wins. But at the same time, I want to see this journey that this guy, this YouTuber, like, goes on. I didn't know he's the one that started this whole thing. Like, he and his wife were sitting there. How much did we earn today? Five million dollars. How much did we earn yesterday? Four million dollars. <laughs> We've got a lot of effing money. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. Like, and then he buys Pete Davidson a car. Like, <laughs> like, I want, I want to see this journey that I didn't know that I even cared about. Um, so I'm going to go eight points for dumb money and two points for Beanie Bubble. Elizabeth Banks can't save a whole movie by herself. No, she cannot. <laughs> okay, so with a score of 7 to 23, Dumb Money moves on. Um, I'm really worried when I went, did I call Elizabeth Banks Elizabeth Warren? No. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but like, I think like when you said Elizabeth Banks, I was to like, be, wait a second. To be fair, Hold some on. of those outfits in that trailer make her dress kind of like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> So moving on. <laughs> um, so Dumb Money is going to face the winner of Squid Game 2 versus Three Body Problem. So two movies with numbers in their title. That's not going to be confusing at all. Um, Matt, let's start with you this round. Um, so I'm just going to throw this out there. I still have not watched the first season of Squid Game. So this trailer introduces new characters. They all pick the same side. Like, they pick a side on who they're going to, I guess, play for. And they all pick the same. Introducing these new characters. Don't know what that means. There's that weird doll. She's still turning around, playing a twisted game of red light, green light, as far as I can tell. (laughs) Um, But, like, apart from being like, hey, we've got new characters. Oh, these are the people you should still care about. Like, it doesn't tell you anything. And I honestly still don't know what Squid Game 1 was about. So this doesn't give me any indication on what two is going to be. Um, Three-Body Problem is a sci-fi movie. Hand, like, just, just the, full stop. Um, it's weird. It's hard science fiction. Um, it's, a, it's based on a novel that has been translated from Chinese. Um, and the guy that translated it is like a very well-known Ken Liu. Um, he's a very well-known sci-fi and fantasy author. So like, he's got the chops to do the translation. Um, I'm just going to read the synopsis from the article because it kind of gives a little bit of explanation of what this trailer is about, because other than being just kind of like weird sci-fi, you really don't know. Um, A young woman's fateful decision in 1960s China reverberates across space and time to a group of brilliant scientists in the present day. As the laws of nature unravel before their eyes, five former colleagues reunite to confront the greatest threat in humanity's history. So, like, reading that, you can kind of see how some of that is there in the trailer. Um, I don't know. In general, this looks like just one of those weird, trippy sci-fi movies that ends up in cans or sundance or something like you you know you don't really know um but at the end of the day 
this is this is what I'm here for. Like I'm ready to see how trippy and weird and odd this can get and still come back at the end and make sense. Um, so I'm going to give nine points to three body problem and one to squid game two. Lydia. Yeah. I also have not watched the uh, first season of squid game. So this trailer meant like practically nothing to me. I don't know who (laughs) any of these people are. that are apparently still around from the first season. I don't know what the whole, I guess picking a side thing. I, I I saw red and green. I'm like, okay, are you just pushing green because you're agreeing to play the game? Or what? I don't know what this means. Um, three body problem. Yeah, just to watch the trailer, I had no freaking clue what was going on, but I was still here for it. So <laughs> I'm glad that you read the synopsis because that makes a lot more sense now, and I kind of want to see how all that plays out having watched the trailer now. And let's be honest, I'm not going to take the time right now to go watch a whole season of Squid Game when I'm still working on Supernatural. Um, <laughs> so, um, How long have you been working on Supernatural? Way too many years. Um, <laughs> but I'm in season 13 now, so we're getting there. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Matt and say one to Squid Game and nine to Three Body Problem. So if we're lucky, I'll make it through Supernatural by the time I go back to work. From the <laughs> so... Yeah, we are the wrong people to be talking about Squid Game 2, because I also have not seen Squid Game 1. Um, all I know about it is that um, it takes people who are in bad financial ways and pits them against each other to the death or something like that. And I don't know. them like Mario characters. Yeah. Um, and and that's just that just hits too close to home for me. Um, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, but, yeah, with three-body problem... Um, I watched that trailer and finished watching that trailer, not knowing what I just watched. Um, the synopsis you gave, Matt, um, went gave me a little more information, um, but even still, I'm just like, huh? <laughs> you know, um, I would need to, I would need to see this trailer again to even have any kind of inkling or anything so all that aside i just went five and five i split down the middle so that gives us a score of squid game two with seven points and three body problem with 23 points which is exactly what the first round was yep (laughs) (laughs) so uh dumb money meets three body problem uh i'm going to give uh dumb money eight points three body problem i'm giving two Really because, yes, as much as I was like, I have no idea what's going on, there were some parts that did look cool uh, visually. And so, like, maybe maybe on a second go around, I might have a different feeling for it. Lydia. Um, just because I feel like the stupid movie is going to end up playing in my house quicker, I'm going to give dumb money seven i'm gonna give three to three body problem one for each body (laughs) (laughs) matt um oh this is tough because i really want to see both of these um i feel like three body problem is going to be one of those movies that becomes a cult classic a lot of people are going to watch it and they're gonna be like huh and they're just going to walk away 
Um, and then there's going to be that, that small crowd that's like, this is the best movie ever. Um, and I might be part of that group, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, it's hard because I'm probably more likely to actually sit down and watch dumb money because it's not going to be quite as mentally taxing. Um, but as far as which one I'm excited for more, um, I'm going to say six points for three body problem and four for dumb money. So with a score of 23 to seven, I'm kidding. <laughs> There's no way. That math doesn't matter. Uh, no, but seriously, with a score of, wait. <laughs> that math doesn't math either. There we go. That makes more sense. With a score of 19 to 11, Dumb Money wins this round of trailer takedown. Um, I think part of the problem was I added five and six, and because I originally had fourteen down, so like I pro- I must have seen the three in three body problem and added that too. That's not how that works. No, nope. <laughs> gave it gave it some extra points. Too many numbers. All right, let's get into gut reaction. Ow! Gut reaction. And we're going to start tonight with uh, Secret Invasion. Uh, just dropped, or the first episode just dropped on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so a report has surfaced stating that AI was used in creating the opening sequence. Um, I have not um, I have not seen the first episode yet. Uh, I've already been spoiled on something, so that's, that's cool. <laughs> um, I did see the opening sequence because I... I, I wanted to, especially mm. after reading this. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, I mean, it is very, very trippy. It's, it's, yeah, I really, I can't even begin to describe it. But Method Studios, who created the opening, said that AI is just one tool among the array of tool sets our artists used. No artist's job were replaced by incorporating these new tools. Instead, they complemented and assisted our creative teams. Um, the studio used AI in creating the character attributes and movements, but the entire production involved traditional work of art department animators. <sighs> I'm giving this a thumb sideways. Um, I recognize that using AI in this way does help to make things um, more more better that's not, that's not that <laughs> but um you should use ai for your grammar <laughs> yeah maybe i should um, but it you know it does it, it it can make things better and cooler and you know whatever um and even if in this instance yes no human jobs were taken I am concerned because it's it's a slippery slope, but at the same time, this is things that we've talked about for decades now, like when self-checkouts first became a thing, you know, like, they were supposed to completely take that, and like, while, yeah, they kind of have, um, there are still human cashiers, uh, same thing with, you know, like, robots taking over the jobs of servers you know like in one shape or another like yeah you've got those things on the ends of tables at some places where you can order you know appetizers and pay your bill and all that kind of stuff i used to work with one of those and so did you matt and it didn't really make my job any easier but you know it didn't really make it harder either so like i i don't know it's the the pessimist in me says that yes this will end up 
being like cutting costs we will use ai more than we do then we'll hire you know like writers for shows and that's part of the reason why writers are striking right now um but at the same time it's like but will it i mean in in our lifetime i i don't know i don't know yeah so thumb sideways matt um i i'm with you on on pretty much everything because it is it's a slippery slope um Yes, like we all thought that automatic cashiers, you know, at grocery stores would, you know, eliminate people cashiers. And that hasn't happened. You know, does every grocery store have some? Yes. Are there still cashiers? Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I, it, as an author, it bothers me with AI because people are using it to write books and stories and things. So I can see how artists would be intimidated by this as well. Um, I mean, this was going to be a flat thumbs down for me until you read the part about how it was basically used as a tool. It wasn't used in place of individuals creating the opening sequence. I still, I, I don't know in general how I feel about the whole thing. I don't feel like it's the right way to go. So I'm going to go thumbs sideways. Lydia. I am going to go thumbs down. I, I appreciate the fact that it didn't take away anybody's job. My concern with something like this is that the more that we lean into stuff like this, the less people are honing their talents for some certain things like this. So like people's like art skills and their writing skills and all these things are slowly plummeting because they're relying so much on these things to just do that, do it for them. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, you guys do realize that when, um, the robot revolution of our society comes, they will, look back to this episode and not look at us kindly after what we've said. Um, so maybe, maybe say thank you to Alexa a couple extra times you know, in the next few days. I don't have an Alexa. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I'm already on the outs. So yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. We're okay. doomed. Is what it is. Matt, let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so coming next week. The 20... Oh, tomorrow, maybe? The 27th, I think, is what I said. Um, a new Harry Potter RPG for mobile is being released. Uh, Harry Potter Magic Awakened. It is coming to both Apple and Google Play. Um, it's going to be kind of similar to... Um, Legacy? Why am I drawing a blank on the... Mystery? Hogwarts Mystery? No, the big one that uh, just released on the consoles. Yeah, that would be uh, Hogwarts Legacy. Legacy? Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, Legacy. Oh, my God. Um, it's kind of like that, but on a mobile scale. Um, you can create and customize your own wizard. They go through steps in the school. Um, it does include both PvE and PvP, so you'll get to duel with other wizards that are roaming the world. Um there are also, so you'll get dueling. There is like a collectible card game aspect to this as well. Um, and then 
the part that everybody likes for stuff like this, uh, mini dungeons to go and defeat some creatures. So, um, this, like I said, this releases, I think, yep, June 27th, uh, launches worldwide. Does not say if it's going to be one of those where you have to pay to download it. I assume probably yes. Um, but anyway, people are still playing Hogwarts Legacy, so the assumption is that, um, Magic Awaken will scratch that itch for people that want to be able to play on the go. Um, I did not watch the trailer. Um, I'm still at odds with Hogwarts Legacy, so I'm not sure how I feel about this. So I'm going to go thumbs sideways on this one. Lydia. I'm also going to go thumbs sideways with it tentatively being up. Um, I've played the other Harry Potter mobile games that they've come out with. Uh, the one that was kind of like Pokemon Go was fun. Um, and then Hogwarts Mystery I played for a while. The reason I fell off of that one was because it got to the point where you would run out of energy so quick. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, you can pay to have more. It's like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> I can, but I won't. Right. Um, so I'm hoping that this one doesn't have that aspect to it. It probably will, if we're being honest. <laughs> um, but looking at it right now in the Play Store, it does say uh, you can basically like set it to install once it's available. So okay. I'm going to guess that it's free to download because it usually would say like, you know, prepay or whatever. Yeah. So I think it's free. Uh, so we'll have lots of microtransactions. Yeah. Oh. So... So there's that, but I'll probably end up playing it for a while and then probably stop for one reason or another. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna go thumb sideways. Um, I I don't have a dog in this fight. It's the second time I've said that this tonight. <laughs> <laughs> How glad are you that Tabitha's not here right now? Because you would have gotten shot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So, Lucasfilm announced a while back that a new Star Wars movie would feature Rey Skywalker. Uh, now, some details have come out about the project. Um, according to Production Weekly, it will be set roughly 15 years after Rey's victory over Palpatine and the end of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. The sequel delves into Rey's courageous uh, endeavor to restore the Jedi Order, where she assumes the role of mentor to two promising young students, a girl and a boy. As their training progresses, it becomes evident the girl possesses extraordinary abilities destined to emerge as a future leader. Uh, production Weekly also says that production on the film will start in April of next year with a 2026 release. Uh, I'll give this a thumbs up. Um, I really enjoyed Ray. I would like to see more. I, I'd like to see more of a lot of the um, sequel cast of Star Wars. I doubt that's going to happen. So if I'm going to get this, I'm happy with it. Um Obviously, a lot of this can change. Come 2026, it could be a completely different film, but we'll see. Matt? Um, I know a lot of people disliked Ray in the trilogy. Um, I didn't really have any glaring issues with her as a character or her arc. Um, I, I definitely feel like she is one of those like um, Luke in you know, episodes four, five, and six, like you could see the potential, you could see where the character growth could go. And I feel like that's what these are going to be. Um, and it might give us an opportunity to see that growth without um, a new Darth Vader, you know, like maybe she, you know, grows in her powers and doesn't go bad. Um, so I don't know. I, 
I'm intrigued by this enough to go thumbs up. Lydia. Well, as you have said, I don't have a dog in this race either because <laughs> I didn't understand half of what you said. Um, so I'm going to go thumbs sideways just because I don't really have any frame of reference. However, based on the little knowledge of Star Wars I have, a girl and a boy, so would, is one going to go bad and one's going to go good? I mean, that's kind of where I was thinking. Yeah. Like, Especially with a girl possessing extraordinary abilities destined to emerge as a future leader. Mm-hmm. You you can paint that as either the girl being the good guy or, or the, the bad, bad guy. guy. Yeah. Good girl or bad girl. Whatever. No. Um, you can see the good girl being the good person or the bad person. <laughs> Hero or villain. There you go. We got there in the end, guys. We got there in the end. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so, so, if anything, like may- maybe find a new mold, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, you, that's that is definitely something that I saw. Um, Matt, uh, let's talk about maybe a new uh, console ro- war. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This generation of consoles is still going head to head. But recently, with some of the things that have happened for Xbox with their release of Redfall, which tanked so very badly. Um, and the upcoming Starfield, which is going to be an Xbox exclusive. Um, it's kind of come to light that um, Microsoft basically purchased Bethesda, who is putting out Starfield, um, in a lot of ways to stick it to Sony. Um they said that Sony, uh, Phil Spector, who's the like, the chief in charge of Microsoft, uh, was quoted as saying that Sony is known to pay the competitors to, quote unquote, skip their platform, their platform being the Xbox. Um, so, like, Sony made a deal with the developers of both Deathloop and Ghostwire to make them Sony, to make them PlayStation exclusives, like, I'll, like, I'll pay you extra money if you just put it on our system. Um, so Xbox felt like Microsoft needed to purchase Bethesda in order to even the score, if you will. Um, so they did this at the time. Starfield was already in early development at Bethesda. Um, early discussions were already going on between Sony and Bethesda to make Starfield and a, a PlayStation exclusive. Um, so now it's going to be an Xbox PC exclusive instead. Um, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of get it. Um, you know, Phil Spector also said that every time that we ship a game on PlayStation, Sony captures 30% of the revenue, basically, which then they turn around and use to try and undermine Microsoft. Like, Okay, but that's what competition is about. Like, if you're not using that to make your own company better and a better motivation, then you're doing it wrong. Um, like, part of me says, yeah, okay, this is this is where we are, where instead of, um, like, raising the level of your product to compete, you're just going to buy out the other guy so that they don't have it. So that's frustrating. Um so I don't know. I'm going to go thumbs down because honestly, like if you don't like what your competitor is doing, then you're just mad that they're playing the game better than you. And you need to, again, step up your game so that you're not left in the dust. 
Lydia. Yeah, I'm I'm with Matt. Um, also, I <laughs> I've never understood the whole like animosity between the different like consoles and people that play them, and even the people that like own these companies. But to be basically petty enough to go, well. If you're going to do that, I'm just going to buy a whole game developer so that you can't have them. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> that's next level, Petty. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going thumbs down. I it's You're going too far. Yeah. Um, thumbs down. Like, I get it to a certain extent. And, okay, sure. Competition makes everything better. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but... You know, it's situations like this where the only real loser is the consumer. Yep. And isn't that just lovely? (laughs) So Paramount Plus recently canceled a bunch of shows from its streaming service, including fan favorite Star Trek Prodigy. Uh, It was originally renewed for a second season. CBS Studios will continue to shop the series around while the series completes uh, post-production on the second season. Um, Prodigy, along with other canceled shows, The Game and Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, have already been taken off of Paramount+. Plus. So if you haven't seen any of them, you're SOL. Um, <laughs> wow. While also canceled, Queen of the Universe is still available until June 30th. Um, I'm giving this a thumbs down. Um, if you're going to cancel something like, okay, fine, you know, whatever it is what it is. Um, I am surprised about this just because I do see a lot of people like love star trek prodigy um i've seen people say that it's you know one of the best trek shows Mm. in years even though it is aimed towards children um i hadn't gotten around to seeing yet seeing it yet but i wasn't opposed to it uh but the reason i i'm going full thumbs down on this is the swiftness that they've taken it off the platform which i i know um well, now it's Max, um, did something similar, um, or Hulu, I don't know. Somebody did something similar. This is not the first case of this. Um, it just, it sucks. Like, if you're going to take it off the platform, maybe give people a little bit of time, you know, to, to, to say their goodbyes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Matt. Yeah, the, the expediency with which shows are not only being canceled, but removed from these streaming services anymore is almost absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like two episodes are out. You haven't even given it a chance to gain an audience. Uh, It didn't break a million streams on day one. Oh, we're going to cancel it. And um, by the time episode eight uh, airs for the first, first full season, you get three weeks and it's gone. Mm -hmm. Like you, (laughs) With the way that these streaming shows are being built and they're being released, I don't feel like they're giving them ample opportunity to gain any audience. Um, And this is just another example of that. So thumbs down. Especially when we've been trained to binge watch shows. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're not going to drop the entire season at once, how do you expect? I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't... I don't watch a whole lot of TV as it is, but for the most part, I'm not going to watch something week to week anymore. I'm not. If I know that there's going to be eight episodes, I have a better shot of actually sitting down and watching all of it on week nine when all episodes are out. But by that point, it's probably going to be canceled because I didn't watch season. I didn't watch week one. 
Yep. It, it's all Matt's fault. Damn it, Matt. <laughs> Lydia. I, I Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm also not going to sit down and watch something week to week. I barely sit down and watch something that's been out for 10 plus years. Um, <laughs> that's an attention thing, though, so I digress. Um, but yeah, they're not giving any of these things enough time to even gain the traction to get the following that they're wanting before they're yanking it back off the platform. So thumbs down. So last week, comic book nerd and U.S. Congressman Robert Garcia tweeted out the following. Uh, He said, one month from now at San Diego Comic-Con, we are launching the first ever Congressional Popular Arts Caucus. It will be a bipartisan caucus focused on the comics industry, gaming, and popular entertainment media. Stay tuned and see you there. Uh, he followed that up with uh, saying that Congress has an enormous role to play around creative rights, fair labor, intellectual property, global piracy, and the future of AI in the industry. I've met with Congress members who are ready to uh, work and uplift this critical economic industry. We look forward to your uh, to your input. No other details uh, were really given out, but one person asked if he will be at Comic-Con. To which uh, Representative Garcia said, stay tuned, and then had the smiling sunglasses emoji. <laughs> um, another person asked if he followed the hashtag comics broke me trend from a couple of weeks ago, um, in which comic creators discussed the hardships of being in the industry. And then Garcia replied, yes, very much so. I followed it closely, and these labor and creative concerns are real and need to be addressed and uplifted. Um, thumbs up. Um, I've talked about robert garcia a couple of times on the show before um he i i am now a robert garcia fanboy it's fine (laughs) everything's fine um but just the fact that like he is doing this um knows his not only his constituents but like plays to his base kind of you know Mm. like this is this is phenomenal um this is something that well, yes, like they, some things like movies, TV, you know, whatever. Yes, they are taken care of. But there are other, I don't want to say marginalized, but there are other like lesser known mediums that aren't being taken care of. Um, and, and if he can help do that in any way, shape or form, more power to you. I'm so happy about this, Matt. Yeah, he is absolutely not wrong at the things that, Congress does have some sort of control or influence on when he listed all of those things that they can pass laws regarding or like direct or provide directives like programs, all of those things like, and you're right. Yes. He's playing to his constituency. Um, but you know what? It's about time. One of them actually paid attention to their constituents and like said, Hey, we're listening. And we know that some of these things need to be addressed. Are yes, there are, are there maybe bigger issues that need his attention? Yes, but that doesn't mean that he can't divert or spend some time on these, which are also very important and life changing for many of these artists and writers in those mediums. Um, so huge thumbs up to him. Lydia. Is this the guy that was sworn into Congress with the <laughs> Superman? Sure was. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> So yeah, that doesn't su- doesn't surprise me at all that he is this involved in all of these issues. So yeah, giant thumbs up. Um, Matt, you've got our last story of the night tonight. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I knew posting this it was going to be the last story, yeah. but I just... Uh-oh. I'm... Yeah, let's 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 talk about uh, some new meat options. I just, eh? yeah, <laughs> yeah um, California has the meats. Um, <laughs> sorry, um, this headline alone just is enough to throw question marks into the air like a cartoon. Um, <laughs> U.S. approves nation's first lab-grown meat, chicken made from animal cells. Um. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> then what's chicken? <laughs> Not made from animal cells. I don't know. Okay. Um. So, U.S. regulators have approved selling chicken made from "quote unquote" animal cells, um, for two California companies that are lab growing this meat. Uh, Upside Foods and Good Meat. Yes, that's the name of the company. Um, Don't like that. (laughs) They are going to be the first two companies to be selling meat that doesn't come from slaughtered animals. Slaughtered animals? (laughs) I mean, it doesn't come from them either. (laughs) (laughs) Slaughtered animals. Um, It's what they're referring to as, quote unquote, cell cultivated or cultured mm. meat. Mm. And we're not talking like pinky in the air. This is time for tea. This is a different kind of culture. Um. So, it's, so it's not uncultured swine. <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> um, in the long run, the idea behind this is that it will eliminate the cruel treatment of animals um, in the meat industry. Um, it will also reduce the impact of grazing, growing, and feeding these animals and the economic, Im- or not the economic, but the environmental impact that that has um, on the on the planet. Um, the FDA has declared that both, that products from both the companies are indeed safe to eat. Uh, as a little bit of background, they are grown in steel tanks. Uh, they use cells coming from a living animal, a fertilized egg, or a special bank of stored cells. Um, here comes the fun part. It gets better. Uh, Are you sure? Yep. It comes out in large sheets and then is formed into the appropriate shapes, i.e. nuggets, cutlets, mm. etc. Um, as of right now, with only two companies doing this, it is more expensive than buying chicken that's produced by nat- chickens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> with other animal cells. Um, these companies have also already got deals with a couple of restaurants in California. So that's primarily where you'll be able to get most of this. Um, and the other thing that they did note is that this is actual meat. It's not substitutes like um, the Impossible Burger or Beyond Meat. <sighs> so, I, go ahead. So, if they're pulling cells from live animals, they're still gonna have to have animals like 
being treated cruelly because they're stuck in a lab with needles and whatever mm-hmm. else in them, pulling the cells from them. Yeah, and there'll might... just be less of them treated poorly. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and and my thought, like, okay, so yes, you're taking these animal cells, and you said combining them with a fertilized egg. Uh, well, one of the options that they're using okay. to get these cells is like is fertilized eggs. So, at what point could you argue that this lab-grown meat is still like? That animal. A living being? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, ah, man, I don't know. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, it'd be probably way too long before it's, you know, affordable for, yeah, you know. Because, um, yeah, I'm not going to pay, like, you know, 50 bucks for a single chicken breast or whatever. But, like, if we got to the point where, yeah, you could put two plates in front of me and they're both, you know, quote-unquote chicken... And I can't tell or taste mm. the difference, then okay, fine, sure. But, like, I don't know. Like, if you gave me a plate and said, hey, this was grown in a lab, I don't know how I would feel about it. Yeah. I agree on that. I just... It's it's weird. Like, I kind of understand what they're going for. Sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's not feasible right now, because the amount of time and energy and money required to create what they're doing is you know right now it's hoity-toity and fancy and expensive but when it gets to that point i don't know i just it's weird yeah like this is one of those things you saw in like a weird sci-fi movie as a kid and uh-huh. you're like this will never happen and shit here we are right but where are the flying cars we were promised those two. I, mean, I, I don't want them. I mean, we cars. still don't really have the shoes that buckle themselves either. So. Yeah, that's true. You're right. They can barely make electric cars work. <laughs> hey, careful what you say around uh, Elon. He might challenge you to a cage fight. I think I'd win. <laughs> <laughs> While still with baby? Yes. <laughs> you know, I'd pay good money to see <laughs> All right, uh, that's all we have for you today. Uh, thanks for thanks for hanging out. Um, yeah, everybody, say bye. 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 That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone.